It's Tuesday Travel with Moncom again. Now, as you know, we're sending uh, people off to look at my wonders of the world, places like uh, the Taj Mahal or the Great Wall of China, all of which were covered by Moncom in the last couple of weeks. We're now closing off with those seven wonders of the world this week and going where, Moncom? We're going to start with Singapore. I mean, the easiest way to get to Singapore, you're going to go through Bangkok. So it's a way of getting both cities. But Singapore has an entire entirely uh, has rechanged itself. So, you know, I mean, the only the thing people knew about Singapore was probably Raffles Hotel, the great 19th century Just hotel. to stop you, I've yes. been in both of these places. Mm-hmm. Now, usually you take me to places I haven't been. Yeah. This week, in fact, you fly to Bangkok mm-hmm. if you win mm-hmm. uh, and you stay in Bangkok for three days mm-hmm. and then you go on to the priceless city of Singapore. So yeah. I've been in both. Well, what I, what I want to open your mind to the yeah. Singapore, though, is so, you know, it was thus this, you know, this tiny little city state with high rise apartments and you went there just for drinking and for good eating. It is transforming itself only in the last few years into sort of the green, into the sustainable city um, sort of example of city living in the world. They have a thing called Sky Greens, which is basically a vertical farm. Now, every farm you've ever seen in your life is horizontal, clearly, because the flat the ground is flat. But because the ground is so minimum in this area, and because, as I say, they're a city-state that were importing 97% of their food until very recently, they're realising, suddenly they see, across from Sumatra come these... Um, smog-encrusted, smoky air as they burn down the forest, the hardwood forest of Sumatra. In Sumatra? Yeah, and all over, you know, Indonesia yeah, and these sure. areas. is a light, is a blaze. Um, and they realise, we need to guarantee our food security. We don't have the the room to, to plant big crops, so it's all vertical. So what they have these um, 30-foot towers, 120 30-foot towers in one place called Sky Green, and they're just like Ferris wheels with lettuces and salads growing and irrigation. Me. No, like they've now created this new park, Gardens in the Bay, and you know everything in Singapore because of the wealth of the area, because of finance coming through it, of commerce, international coming through it. It is, you know, they've never had a problem. It's called kind of the Asian, the Asian Switzerland. Singapore, uh, Switzerland was the idea. Incredibly clean, just like Switzerland, and incredibly good at laundering money. The thing about incredibly clean is important Mm. because it is incredibly clean. But like you go to jail and probably get thirty lashes to boot if you throw chewing gum on the pavement. Yeah, yeah, we're not. I mean, it is. I mean, it's not your common garden democracy here now. I mean, it's a dictatorship Mm -hmm. as such, but. It is magnificent to go there. Like, if you compare it with, say, Hong Kong. Yeah. When you go to Hong Kong, all you can see is people. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You don't get that impression in Singapore at all no. that it's overpopulated. It probably is, but you don't get the impression. Yeah, but it was not a pleasant place to holiday. It was a stopover for for business, for sort of uh, capitalists doing business with Asia or Australia. That has changed because mainly they realised the younger generation was coming on, very wealthy, highly educated, but left Singapore as quickly as they could because why would they live in this anodyne, characterless city? So in the last few years, first the rules have been, have been uh, liberalised a huge amount. That idea of it being an absolute police state has gone because you've got a new millennium, you know, younger generation who do not want to be ruled. And if they, if those sort of rules imposed on them, as I said, they're wealthy and highly educated. All right, but but speaking about holiday, Mm -hmm. because I don't want you to get carried away as the former green candidate for Longford West (laughs) Meath by just greenery. I put two things to you before we get there, and I'm fine with green in the sky. Mm -hmm. One, 
it's a great place to shop. Yeah. Like, it's really enjoyable if you like shopping, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The second thing is it's a great place to eat. Mm. There's wonderful restaurants. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, if you are of a certain generation, mm. there is an unbelievably uh, strong World War II record because Singapore in World War II had one of the worst Japanese prisoner war camps uh, in the Far East mm. and they've they've kept some of it alive and there are it's unbelievable Hong Kong when you go there mm. still particularly Australians mm-hmm. a lot of Australians there grandchildren are now going there where their grandfathers may in fact have died and there's all these beautiful messages because it's a jail it's Changi jail so that's really interesting one other final piece of advice if you don't mind no please renting a, a car and driver. Mm-hmm. So you don't rent like from your friendly Avis. Mm-hmm. You get a car and a driver and it's remarkably cheap and he takes you around the place. Yeah. Yeah. So and we, we, we've talked about it before in this area, the, the, the railroads, which were great, the greatest sort of uh, remnant of World War II, often built by slave labour, by Japanese yeah. or other slaves, or, or used by local slave labour to combat the Japanese. And, you know, Orient Express now have these great, are now called Belmont, aren't they? Have these great routes from Singapore to Bangkok up to Laos um, but what they've done in Singapore there was an old railway line there from the 1890s it was used to extract uh, rubber and tin out of Malaysia into Singapore port and out to the world now clearly that trade is gone now so what have they done with the old railway the old railway line was given back to Malay in 1965 uh, they own the, Mala- the railway line but it was running through the heart of Singapore Okay, so what they look, they look at the High Line in New York, you know, the, the, or the, the, the new, the old railway line in New York that is now an urban sort of park, a linear park, yeah. and the promenade Plante in Paris, the same sort of thing, great thing, an old 19th century arches uh, right to the heart of Paris that you can go and walk in. They've done the same now. They now have, they're calling it a green corridor. So it's 15 miles of track, raised track, surrounded with rubber plants and banana plants and wild bamboo and and, um, and towering rain trees through the heart of the richest, and most expensive land. And do you walk land. this you or cycle it? Yeah, I mean, they still, they, they only recently, so Malaysia came in and took every single railway sleeper and railway metal girder out of it. Uh, and just left them with the green bit of scrubland. Yeah. So there's still, it was a local community, people came together and said, let's preserve this, let's not give it to the government and make them business. But as you say, there is so much more. The main thing is the traditional um, shop houses, the Chinese shop houses that still continue there, that have been destroyed in much of other Asian cities with modernisation. But in areas like Katong, where it was the, the local Parankan heritage. It's chock-a-block with these pastel-coloured shop houses where people are still living their lives out on the streets. You know, the, the houses will have a little shop where they're selling either Chinese medicine or dusty antiques or spices. Um, and right next door to it will be the sort of the Indian area. So it's like the Mumbai uh, with, with street scenes straight out of, uh, of sort of Mumbai and little Hindi temples and a little India. Um, and then there's the, the red light district like like in Bangkok. So what you have there is all the neighbourhoods have different elements of Asia in them, all gathered together in, in one little city. Um, the other thing they've done brilliantly mm-hmm. is they charge for driving. 
So you have a little electronic gadget mm-hmm. on your windscreen and then it, depending on time of day, you know, if you want to drive at peak time, mm-hmm. for instance, you get charged. So they charge you for the amount of time you drive because obviously the amount of space is limited. I mean, it's what? It's 274 square um, kilometres, uh, square miles. So it's a really limited space. But within that, they have rainforest. Like, so you can actually, you can take the local city bus out to the outskirts, out to the end that bus stop and you are in ancient rainforest with like monkeys rustling through the trees really? and great racket tailed drongos with muddy wetlands I mean people don't people just but stay but I missed all that I know they stay in Orchard Road going up and down Orchard the posh Road shops Orchard Road is precisely right <laughs> the high end restaurants and, and the department stores I missed all that yeah. and the thing is as you say the shopping is amazing there's still mall, malls there and there's still sort of the latest uh, designer clothes but the, 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 the stalls aren't as cheap it's probably the sort of the, the markets and the old prices probably worth doing that in Bangkok on the way. Singapore used to be a great hub for cheap electronics. Now they have cutting edge everything and the finest designer things. But if you're going for for for, for cheap things, um, you know, it's definitely worth When I went there, I was under the impression, mm-hmm. I probably didn't calculate very well, but it was under the impression I was getting a great deal in electronics, whereas I probably wasn't. Well, if it was a few years ago, you were. It's just changing. Now with their wealth, they don't need to be selling, um, you know, luring international people in with cheap electronics. They now, as I said, they are... They are uh, marketing themselves to elite as you probably as you say green affluent middle class people who want to know where it's all about locavore where every bit of food comes from the local area where like there's they've 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 four new parks in the area one the Senkang Riverside Park has 300 different fruit trees so they've from lychee to mangosteen to durian all growing in this in this in this trail i mentioned no i didn't mention gardens of the bay they've reclaimed some of their area because as i said it's so limited the land so reclaimed some of the sea and on top of this they've built a new 250 acres of park, a lot of it vertical, as I say, a lot of it going up into the air, and they have these 100-foot concrete super trees, okay? So if I was saying before these the vertical trees were 30 feet high, these are 100 foot high. And the hang, trees are 100 feet They're though. concrete, they're concrete fake trees, but hanging from them are ferns and orchids and bromelides hanging the whole way down, down, down. so it looks, it looks alive. Incredibly expensive. That one park alone costs $782 million. $780 million just for a park. But that's they're deciding that that's what they're going to sell themselves on. That it is this, tro- it's not only a city, it is a tropical island. Now, there's two ways of going there. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways we're talking about in George's Wonders of the World is to go to Bangkok because mm-hmm. our winner is going to stay in Bangkok for three days and mm-hmm. then go on to Singapore. They, they, um, so you might, you could go Thai Airways to Bangkok, out of London, of course. Uh, similarly, because if you go to Singapore, one of the great airlines of the world is Singapore Airlines, mm-hmm. and you go direct to Singapore again from London. Yeah. Um, and so the thing about Singapore, it has so much more of its old traditional culture. So it was always, it was sort of known of the Venice of the East because of these canals. And the canals are still alive with vibrant little again, sort of little uh, 200-year-old farmhouses on the edge of the canals, right beside these gleaming skyscrapers. And only recently, so it was all about chaotic throngs. But now with the new, the new SkyTrain and the Underground Metro, all both air conditioned means you can get around from those wild markets to the temples, the gold laden spiral temples with incense burning and monks dressed in orange. But hold on, well, you could make a fortune by being the tour guide in Singapore. 
I mean, you've lost your vocation. Like, if you had been with me, and mm. I've been in Singapore, I've always used it as a stopover to mm. and from Australia or New Zealand or mm. whatever, right? I go a different way now, but, mm. but I used to go that way. And I've been in Singapore six or eight times, mm-hmm. and I missed all this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm absolutely gutted, because not only have I missed all this, mm-hmm. but more importantly, the lovely Ingrid's missed all this, yeah. who is an expert on, like, who would have died and gone to heaven to be looking at lychee trees and all this sort of stuff. This is, I mean, this has all only come in since um, 2012. This is really new. Oh, really? They have another new park, Hort Park, where they're giving everyone who comes in free gardening workshops they have like this ver- also, they are the pioneers at new type you remember the Osra- Israeli Israel, Israel we used to be the pioneers of irrigation and growing in the middle yeah. of the desert these people are showing actually you can have a city state and produce uh, they're on the way to showing you can have a city state and produce all your own food so it's sort of but you, you know they realise they can't beat Bangkok with looking at uh, traditional culture you know the, the other cities the, the sort of the cities of the Emirates are always going to be richer and more gleamy than them so what do they have they are right on the equator just north of the equator they don't have great weather to be fair it rains an awful lot you know at least in Bangkok you know if you go between November and March after the monsoon and before it gets ridiculously hot in the spring you're going to be guaranteed nice enough All right, we're going to talk about Bangkok the other thing in Singapore is they pride themselves on their efficiency Mm -hmm. of everything Mm -hmm. but it's the only airport I've ever been in where my bags arrived before me you know you normally (laughs) go out to the carousel Mm -hmm. and you see oh London uh, carousel six mm-hmm. and you go down to six waiting for your bags. Singapore is the only place you go to the carousel and the bags are whizzing around. The efficiency is absolutely staggering. Mm-hmm. Now what we're going to do mm-hmm. is go to Singapore via Bangkok and mm-hmm. um, we're only going to spend three days there. We're yeah. going to be in a city in which the cliche teeming millions actually works. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the, I suppose Thailand is this amalgamation of so many cultures, but the Thai culture comes so so through so richly, particularly in the food. You know, from roast duck or wonton noodles, it is the one place that you need to eat on the street, no matter what your normal reservation. No, no, are. no. Back, back up the truck, Mangan. Oh. You're not going to get me eating on the street. <laughs> you know, I was staying in the Marriott. If I'm in, not in the Marriott, like you stayed in the Marriott. No, I wasn't the Marriott. I was in the Mandarin Oriental. Oh, even. <laughs> <laughs> but I still went down for my meals Five on the street. Mandarin Oriental. Yeah, but well, I, my stay didn't include That's my meals. That's one of the great five hotels of the world. I know. I enjoyed myself, to be fair. Yeah. Yeah, but did you not look out the window and see? the poverty outside the window no, and I was, were you not appalled no, to be my, staying in the hotel no my double suite was looking out over the river I was looking at the old wooden boats the river is fabulous mm-hmm. in Bangkok yeah, you I go mean, up and down the river exactly so much trade is still on it and you, you so, as I was saying that these new air conditions you know sky trains and all but do try and use the water taxis they're more chaotic to work out but then you're right on rather than going on a tourist cruise on the river you're watching as all those big cargo boats slowly moving up and down the the, the but if you, yeah, but, but the other thing in some of the hotels, you mm-hmm. can eat in the evenings, you know, mm-hmm. depending on what time of the year. But if it's a nice time, as you've alluded yeah, yeah. to, you eat on the patio of these hotels. You're yeah. eating outdoors. And depending on where the hotel is, the mm-hmm. river may actually be running by. So it's absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Then, of course, not unique to Bangkok, but I think Bangkok kind of made it, mm-hmm. is the famous 
truck. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, as you say, the traffic is ridiculously chaotic there. They are the teeming millions. These new, their new uh, to, to infrastructure, the Metro and all, have helped in some ways, but it is crowded. So don't go near a taxi. I know when you get from the airport, you're going to want to bring your bags in, but otherwise use the tuk-tuks. Use the little little mo- the three-wheeler motor scooters to get around in the centre of town. It's, it's sort of the, the only way to... The tuk-tuk is great. The other thing, the beware notice, of mm-hmm. course, is you meet a fella on the street and mm-hmm. he says to you, um, I'm I'm head of security, you know, for the Bangkok police or mm-hmm. something, and I can get you the best deal ever on a watch or whatever. So he brings mm-hmm. you around to his mate, like, and you buy something around there and you think you're getting it cheap, but you're not really. No, but even I mean the malls there, they are a lot cheaper. They, you know, they, I mean, they have there's the old the old covered markets which are dirt cheap. But even even the main markets are incredibly. And there's still some of the temples there. Like you do need to. I know you you're not a fan of of the temples, but at least when you're going out, just to look along the canals and to see the Khmer Wats or Khmer. Uh, so, so what is the, the what I run and what app for? Yeah. Just so look, we're running out of time. Okay. The Northern Lights. Mm. I mean. Ingrid wants to go to the Northern Lights before we die. What's yeah. so special about a few lights in the sky? It, like it is this. It, first, this this last decade is the best time because of a solar maximum to see these no this sort of spec, spectral display of lights dancing across the polar skies, mainly in wintertime and mainly at night. But in fact, if you go high enough, if you go above sixty degrees, you will see it during the day too. But it's just better from nine p nine p.m. till two uh, a.m from 2am and you can see it anywhere in close to the Arctic Circle this is the Aurora Borealis in fact the southern hemisphere has its own lights southern lights but you sort of need to be only a penguin is going to see them you need to be on Antarctica so a lot less people so when you're going so you, where are you going to I mean, see we, them? we've talked in previous weeks about looking at them in Scandinavia in Alaska in Canada but clearly the easiest place to get to them from Ireland is Iceland uh, and the thing is, Iceland isn't as near the Arctic Circle, so it's not as freezing cold. But because of its position in the Earth, you get amazing displays. Oh, of so light. you go there for the lights in Iceland and you can watch the soccer because, of course, they're now a top-rated soccer nation. Exactly. And you get them beautiful mythology because the Icelandic people believed that these were the swans trying to escape and they got caught in the ice crystals in the frozen oh, air. Kind and of children of Lear. Exactly. And all those sparkles uh, coming out of them are them trying to break through the ice crystals. In fact, it is electrically charged particles no, the, that emanate from the sun. All right, but you're an expert on sort of uh, history and tradition. Do countries therefore, do a lot of countries see swans in some kind of myth- mythological way? Do they? Huh. Yeah, that's so. The Greeks have the whole thing, don't they? Yeah. Lay dead the swan. Yeah, so and we already have Iceland having it, and children we have of it. Blair, yeah. yeah, so it's interesting. Huh. All right, but but if you're in Iceland, mm-hmm. um, the thing is, okay, if you're just very going few to people up there. It was 320,000, exactly. Um, but And 200,000 of them are in Reykjavik, which is probably, if you're just going for the weekend just to see the Northern Lights, go, you know, in the middle of winter, it's well, it's going to be hard to get to see, to go out into the wilder areas of Iceland. In fact, impossible. A lot of the internal clo- roads will be entirely closed. Um, but the do thing to do is to go and see the Golden Circle. So within Reykjavik, all year round, you can get to see the Thingfalir National Park, which was where in 1930, 930, when the Viking men and their Irish women came, this was where they held the parliament once a year, right up until 1798. Every year, every person from the island would hike to this 
desolate uh, park. And beside it is one of the great geysers. You know, the traditional geyser that spews 70 metres in the air now lo- no longer does it. But um, Why does it no longer do it? It just lo- So it was pr- built up pressure underground, yeah. underground and it just it lost its, its... So you only get them in New Zealand now, probably? No, no, you get Stroker, which goes to about uh, 20 feet into the air. So, But it does it every five or ten minutes. So it was called Geyser. The next one you look at is called Stroker. And also these spectacular waterfalls and sorry you can climb up glaciers now the thing is they're all on you do it as a tour from Reykjavik you can get it done in the afternoon and then at night you'll go out what is not a northern light hunting a northern light safari they promise they will bring you every day it changes depending on the conditions where's the best place to see it and you will chase the northern lights really? uh, until you find the most spectacular view of it okay yeah. you know I'm a philistine so like sort of the northern lights would completely pass me I by think, you really I think it would it? blow you away if you saw it it's so magic yeah, why did you put it on your list? So, like, if I'm having to, give <laughs> oh, well, like, I, because I knew tons of people that wanted to oh, see it's them. So special, your heart opens. The only one, the only time I ever watched a star was the plow. The first time I saw the plow, uh-huh. I made a, my father showed it to me when I was a kid. Oh. That's the only interest I have in stars. Well, the last few years, because it's such good, because this solar maximum, because the conditions are so amazing in the last few years, as you know, we're seeing it in Donegal, we're seeing it in Mayo. They claim we're even seeing it down in Cavan and Westmead now. So at night, do go out, but you will not see that range of greens and blues and phosphorescent colours as clearly as you will if you head north. Yeah, but so people are really interested in that kind of thing. It just isn't me. No, I mean, there's someone from your show is going to have an amazing experience. That's, you know, I'm sure they are. Well, that's Monk on again on the penultimate uh, Tuesday travel here on the right hook. He'll be here next week with the last one. I'm sure it's going to be great crack.